get hyped! Welcome into the Husker Hypecast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts and a special guest this week, Nicole Griffith. Nicole, how are you doing? Thank you for joining our podcast. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. I am doing well. It is starting to become really fall here and cold and dreary, and I just had Chinese food. So the vibes are, we're doing great. You looked outside and you just thought to yourself, this is Chinese food weather. It was, yeah. It actually wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be, but it's getting, it's getting bad. So hopefully it's not freezing this weekend outside. I honestly haven't even checked the weather because just like earlier this month, we had an 80 degree game against Michigan at six o'clock at night. So, I mean, how cold can it feasibly really get, you know? If only I worked somewhere that told me what the weather was. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Even if, even if I worked in the same location, I would never know what the weather is. It's just not, I never check to see what it is before I go outside. I just a total gut feel for that day. 64 so. and sunny on Saturday. Oh, that's good. That's a good day. It's a nice crisp autumn day. I'm just glad it wasn't, what was it, Monday, Sa- Sunday, all like yeah. monsooning. Yeah. I haven't shot in the rain yet, so. Hopefully you, uh, hopefully you don't have to worry about doing that at any point this season. All right, so this is the the Husker Hypecast. Before we get into our usual format, we'll talk a little offense, talk a little defense, dive into oddly specific predictions. I want to give Michael Brunts a few minutes of time here to discuss Purdue Pete and his obsession with Purdue Pete. So, Brunts, you have the floor. Well, it's there's not much to discuss. I mean, I think in the pantheon of college mascots, there's several. There's a very small but select group that is just creepy as hell. You have, um, is it Pistol Pete? Whatever Oklahoma. Maybe it's just a Pete thing, but the Oklahoma State's mascot with the fake head, really creepy. Purdue Pete. um, Like if you get really close to the actual mask, they have, there's like this like little like blue spots over the eyes that kind of like, I think that's where your soul actually goes when you look at it. So that's, it's just, and it's funny because he walks around like, and does like normal people things. Like there's pictures on the internet of him, like giving blood of him, like dancing. Uh, he changes clothes. So like he wears a basketball uniform in basketball games. He has like the football get up. I'm sure that he has like a tuxedo thing too. Um, but that, that's kind of it. I mean, it, a couple of years ago when Nebraska played at Purdue, they had there was a table in like this back area of Ross State Stadium, which is a dump, by the way. And there were like nine Purdue Pete heads just lined up on this table, yeah. like you would have seen at a medieval castle if like a king just like roared through and like ripped off the heads of everybody that was opposing him, just sitting on this table. So, did you go grab one? Uh, no, I didn't. I thought about it. I was like, how, how far could I make it with a Purdue Pete head before they just went and found me? But the other, the other thing too, to remember the guy that played Purdue Pete a couple of years ago, got arrested for going uh, crazy in a McDonald's drive through in West Lafayette. And in the headline, in the student paper at Purdue, they identified him as Purdue Pete. Like they didn't even have the name. It was just like, 
it wasn't like Joe Smith. It was like Purdue Pete arrested for disturbing the peace at McDonald's drive-through. It's great. Go yeah, that's the one time your Purdue Pete uh, Google alerts really paid off. <laughs> yeah, well, I woke up to that and my day was made. So, um, but that that's kind of where the the interest stems from in Purdue Pete. So, Nicole, do you have any thoughts on Purdue Pete? I I don't specifically, but I know people have very passionate thoughts on him, and it was just proven by Brent's. He I, honestly, for me. It's the like giant sledgehammer that he carries around. Like mm-hmm. it, it just everything about this guy is is sort of sinister from the overly large sad eyes to this huge sledgehammer to a hard hat that's a little bit too small. I mean, there's there's just a lot going on with Purdue Pete. I just don't know that he's particularly trustworthy. The, the, I feel the, like what, I need to look him up. Is one that more bad? thing. The, the students that, that are selected to be Purdue Pete each year, I, I learned they, uh, they get like, it's an honor, obviously. Um, and they get these pictures taken. They're like glamour shots. And it's like Purdue Pete, like the, the guy like standing there just kind of holding the head like you would like if you were a really good football player back in your high school, like with your letter jacket and your football, but instead it's Purdue Pete's head. The first thing you search on Purdue Pete is the is creepy. And there's a bunch of headlines from back in August of this year that Purdue Pete was voted the creepiest college mascot. Yeah. Did you you know there's like an old timey photo of Purdue Pete where the sledgehammer and the hammer portion is inside of his head and he's walking around with another sledgehammer. He doesn't even have the heart hat on. Hmm. Did it not make your Google document with all of the, the no photos? no that that isn't in the doc um, yeah it it's too bad I mean it's like the the university of like astronauts and Neil Armstrong and like these very famous important engineers and scientists and like we're talking Drew about a, and Drew Brees <laughs> and Drew Brees and we're talking about uh, this this guy with a that steals souls so there's that I believe you also left off David Blau from that list. Yeah. Is he still with the Lions? I don't know that he's playing anymore. That's too bad. But he did. He started a game or two for him. I remember betting against him and, and feeling pretty good about that. So, yep. You know, there's that. All right. Let's dive into this matchup. We will start on the offensive side of the ball. I'll ask you each a couple questions here, and then we'll jump over to defense and then into the prediction format. Um, Brunts, we'll start with you. Do you anticipate any real change for Nebraska personnel-wise on offense coming into this week after a bye? Personnel-wise? Yeah. Um, not on offense, I don't think. I mean, I, I think what may happen, if there's any changes, I think you might see more Xavier Betts, Omar Manning, that those kind of guys. Like – this week, Matt Lubick was talking about them specifically, and both of them have kind of had to fight various little injuries here and there. I think maybe um, in, in Betts' case, some inconsistency has kept him off the field a little bit. Um, but I, I think, you know, those are the types of guys that when you're talking about being more aggressive as a play caller, trying to get your best guys out there, 
that that's where I go to. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not anticipating any big changes though. I mean, I think if anything, it's going to be more who they're trying to push the ball to. I think they have to get Samori Toure more involved um, than, than what he has been, especially the last couple of weeks um, that, you know, the offense just looks so much better when he's clicking and that just hasn't looked good the last few weeks. So more wide receiver, in addition to just getting the ball to the tight ends the way they have been, because I think that's been a nice addition to the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Nicole, assuming he is healthy, and we saw him, we last saw him leaving at the end of the Minnesota game when he got banged up inside the red zone. There, what have what have you seen from Ramir Johnson so far this year? And and uh, what have, I guess what have you kind of liked of what you've seen of Ramir Johnson at running back for Nebraska? Yeah, so I when I shoot the games, I shoot uh, Nebraska coming towards me always. And so I've been able to see him um, show quick flashes. Um, he's speedy. He can hit the outside pretty quick, um, especially while well, it helps a lot when he gets his blocks on the outside. Um, but he's also able to just um, – he's a small guy, but he's able to just push in and get the um, – the touchdowns that are one yard, two yards, five yards out instead of um, getting pushed back or not being able to hit the end zone. So what I've seen from Ramirez is just his speedy and quickness, but also his toughness to be able to score. Yeah. Do you, I, I actually just have like a very random question based off of kind of the, the work that you do for 10, 11. Is it hard for you to sometimes follow game flow when you're also shooting stuff for work? Yeah. So you mean like game flow, like what's happening in the game? Yeah, you know, like down distance. Like I feel like you'd almost have to go back and rewatch the game a little bit because what you watch through the viewfinder isn't necessarily going to be able to inform you of yeah. how everything played out. A hundred percent. And I feel like people don't understand that. And so I will like call Kevin Suits, our sports director, after the game because we have to do our stand-ups. And I'm like, what happened in the game? <laughs> I What decided the game? There's like five things that I saw, but I'm not sure. And then also like, I can't, I don't have the, I don't always, sometimes I'll shoot up top, but I don't have the bird's eye view and you can see better with the bird's eye view. But I remember just after the 2019 Ohio state game, that was just awful. But um, I remember asking like the next day, I was like, how bad was it? I couldn't really tell. It looked, I couldn't really see anything. And then people are like, what do you mean? You like shot the game. And I'm like, I'm literally looking at the ball the entire time. I don't know. I can't see from the press box very well. So, yeah. I'm glad that you understand that it's hard to follow the game. When I shoot photos uh, for high school games, I actually don't feel like I have any connection to the game that's, that's happening in front of me because when you're watching it through a viewfinder, and in my case, specifically taking photos of specific players and recruits who aren't necessarily always around the ball, um, it, it's a challenge. So then I was curious if it's different if you're also shooting video in that format. It sounds like it's a lot of the same. Yep, completely. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's dive over to Brunts. Brunts, what what do you make of of Purdue's defense as you've kind of looked at them a little bit this year? Uh, we we talked on the the regular podcast earlier this week. They're an improved bunch, and. It, the, the book on them sort of used to be that you'd be able to, to put up points pretty easily. And right now they feel like they're a lot like the rest of these big 10 West teams and that on a given week, they can hold you well inside 20 points. 
Yeah, they, it is kind of hard, I think, sometimes to get away from like narratives about certain teams, yeah. offenses or defenses or whatever. Cause the, the, you know, the, especially at, at Purdue, I mean, they've had so many defensive coaching changes the last few years. And, you know, they, they've got some guys that can get after the quarterback. Carl Office, I think, is, you know, maybe not Aiden Hutchison, but can, can affect a game in that way. Um, and they're going to make Nebraska earn it. I mean, they, they, I think it's, they give up 301 yards per game. Uh, that, that's a top 15 defense uh, nationally. So they, they can give you some issues and they can take advantage of mistakes. And I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's something that fans are going to need to be mindful of is this is not the Purdue defense of three years ago that you kind of move up and down the field on. I mean, they've got some guys that are playmakers and also, um, you know, don't give up a ton of big plays. So Nebraska is going to have to be able to run the ball and, and be efficient, which has been, you know, a big question for this offense all season. Moving so it's over not, the, it's okay. not the Bob Diacos anymore? Bob Diaco doesn't work here anymore. And actually, I went back and looked because I was curious to see how bad they were under Bob Diaco. And they were like in the in the low fifties last year for defense. So they weren't terrible, but I mean, it was a COVID year. So it was a little bit different, but uh, yeah, Bob, Bob left town. Bob's not there anymore. Didn't it go for him where they sort of started off playing pretty well defensively. And then about the middle of November, it flipped and it was going poorly. And then I think they shut down right after the Nebraska game. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they maybe didn't have the type of season that would have allowed that horrible defense to fully bloom. Maybe that's a way of looking at it, but yeah, it was, uh, I mean, you, everybody knows how the, the Bob Diaco experience has gone recently at the power five level. So let's, let's move on, please. <laughs> All right. We'll move over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt had one of the better games of his career last year against Purdue. He had the outstanding interception, the one handed one. Uh, he had a matchup against great wide receivers and David Bell and Rondell Moore. And this year it felt like it started a little bit slow for Cam Taylor Britt, but he's coming off of back-to-back strong games. Nicole, when you were in Minnesota, and I, I know we just got done talking about watching through the viewfinder, what, what have you kind of seen from Cam Taylor Britt as of late? Yeah, so his his actually his interception in the end zone, I like didn't – I got it, but I wasn't like focused on him. I thought it was overthrown, and he was just celebrating because I was way on the other side. And so I thought he was just celebrating like – it being an incomplete pass. And then all of a sudden the, the teams were like flipping players, but um, I think it's, I think Cam's just growing up a little bit. I think he, you know, came on strong as a, um, as a captain and um, the Illinois game wasn't good for him. And early on in the season, he just was a lot of talk and, not a lot of action. And I feel like he's just slowly getting more comfortable as the games are going on and he's needing to have these breakout plays and these, this defense um, is so strong and it's just great to see him finally, like for a lack of better phrasing, like grow up as the season's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Brunts with Nebraska's defense. Do you, do you have, Obviously, they went into the bye week. They had an opportunity to work on things. Do you have concerns based on the last couple of weeks, the Michigan week, the Minnesota week, uh, of kind of where that unit was at in the last time we saw them on the field? 
Yeah, I mean, I think defensively they looked like looked like a, the defensive side of the ball to me seemed like the group that needed a bye week more than the offense. Like, basically, you've been carrying the team for eight straight weeks. You've been put in bad positions. You've had to bow up just nonstop. And, you know, I, I think that the, the kind of taxing of that reality, I think, kind of got to wear on them a little bit when you get to a first half like they had against Minnesota. I think that they'll come out of the, the bye week more focused. I mean, it's a veteran group, so I think that helps when you get to this point in the season. I do have concerns about Nebraska's secondary with Deontay Williams being out and Miles Farmer having to uh, step in there. Uh, David Bell is obviously uh, a handful for anybody. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be a different test this week that they normally face where, you know, it, it seems like you're, you're having to really defend the run, but against Purdue, you, you have to keep the big plays down and, and uh, you know, cover well and, and get pressure, which is a little bit of a different challenge for, for Nebraska this week. We'll finish up with one more for Nicole here on the defensive side of the ball. Nicole, is there a player or two that you've been pretty impressed by uh, defensively this year that maybe you, you weren't anticipating having as strong of a season as where they're at uh, eight games in? Yeah, I would say Luke Reimer has really stood out as just like the the local walk-on kid at, at North Star. And um, I remember interviewing him a couple of years ago um, just as like a special teams player who was getting like a lot of reps on special teams and now he's a black shirt. And um, I feel like every, a lot of the plays that I'm shooting for tackles, he's like always around. He's always in the clip somewhere. So um, I've been very impressed with the local kid, Luke Reimer. All right. Okay. Oddly specific prediction time. I tried to explain it to you before the show. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but We'll give you a, a couple opportunities. Brunson and I will go first here, and we can throw out some oddly specific predictions. I am going to do this. Nebraska blocked a punt against Purdue last year to help set up an early score. Nebraska will block a punt again on Saturday, but this time the ball is going through the end zone. Whoa. And instead of the Huskers allowing a safety, which they have now done twice this year, they will score a safety of their own on this blocked punt. That is my oddly specific prediction. Brunts, where are you going? Wow, that, that safety might come up in score predictions later. I'm eager to see what direction you go with that. Yeah, so well. let's all think back to a time when – a simpler time when Darian Daniels nearly had an interception and touchdown – uh, return for a touchdown against Purdue. Um, I'm predicting that not not an interception, but I think that uh, little brother Damian Daniels is going to come up with some kind of turnover against uh, Purdue this week. And since this is oddly specific, I think it's going to be a strip sack right up right up the gut. I think it's going to he's going to get maybe a five or six yard return. It's just going to get your heart beating just a little bit, hoping there might be a big guy touchdown, but he's going to get pulled down from behind. So to recap, strip sack, Damian Daniels, six yard return. Uh, does he strike a pose afterwards? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't No, I don't think so. I think he just gets mobbed. That's okay. what I think is going to happen. Uh-huh. Nicole, did we he, set the stage? If he strikes a pose, isn't that taunting? 
It could be. Yeah, you probably shouldn't strike a pose. In the NFL, it is now, so, right? Yeah. I mine was very just general of that the defense is going to score a touchdown. But if you want me to put more layers to this, I Good can say that um Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer are going to team up for a tackle and the ball's going to come loose and then neither of them are going to pick it up because they want the other person to get it because they're both really nice guys. And then um, Cam Taylor Britt will come and grab it and then he will take it to the house for a touchdown. So will they chase Cam Taylor Britt because they were arguing over who should pick up the ball? Like, is that how this is going to work? No, they'll block for him. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Do you want to put a yardage amount on this? Yeah, we'd love a yardage amount. I would say 86 yards. <laughs> okay. I love it. Wow. We're all blocking. going to the defensive, uh, defensive plays here for the most part. Look at all. Well, us. the defense was poop. Minnesota. I don't know what kind of audience this is. So. Uh, you could you could say the a harder term if you want. This is nope. not a live radio broadcast. Garbage. I know you have a Monday show from six to eight on the ticket. People can hear more of you there. Uh, but you you don't have the same standards that you were held to on this one. Okay. Well, they were not great. We'll just go with that. And so I feel like they need a little coming out party at home this week. Okay. All right. Uh, it is time for the uh, pick to click. In this, we will give a player that we feel will play well on Saturday. Brunts, who are you going with? Um, I'm going to go Adrian Martinez. I think I think the uh, being closer to 100 percent helps. I think I think uh, as you mentioned on the the podcast on Tuesday, I think Nebraska is going to have to get a little bit more to the edge on Purdue with the option game. So I think that's where he's going to, to find some yards. And I think I'm expecting a bounce back for Adrian after what was uh, I tied for his worst game of the season against Minnesota. Illinois is pretty bad, but I think he, I think he bounces back. So I will say Adrian Martinez gets clicking. All right, Nicole, you have a pick to click. I'm going to go with miles farmer. Oh, mm-hmm. big moment for Miles Farmer. Yep, I feel like so he I remember shooting his uh first this is how I like know the players is by the highlights they make. And so he had an interception 2 years ago and then I haven't really heard much from him since. And so I know Travis Fisher um has those guys ready to go and it's obviously just hard when you have Cam Taylor Britt as a solid lock spot and then fighting over the second spot so I feel like Miles this is just kind of Miles's ability to show what he can do. It's a bit of a revenge game for Miles Farmer who suffered an injury at uh, at Ross Age Stadium. I know that it'll be a Memorial Stadium this time but he can have his revenge. I like that prediction there. From you I am I'm going to take one of of Brunt's favorites. He's had two good games in a row. He scored twice in the last two weeks. I'm going to go with everyone's hero, Austin Allen. He is going to uh, he's going to have a third good game in a row. I I am borderline at the point where I think Austin Allen is going to play himself into being a first team All Big Ten tight end, uh, and he is only 160 yards away from 500 yards, which for a Nebraska tight end, which is a 
pretty high amount. And so I don't know that he'll get all 160 against Purdue, but I think he'll, he'll have at least 80 yards in the game and continue to play well. And maybe, just maybe, they will throw him the ball in their red zone, something that they have chosen not to do too much this season. All right, score prediction time. I will start first on the strength of that safety, plus one field goal, plus three <laughs> touchdowns. Nebraska scores 26. Purdue scores. Eh, where are we going with Purdue? Let's say, uh, let's say 19 for Purdue. It's a push this week for Nebraska. We'll go Nicole. So I'm going out on a limb here. Not, it's a little conservative, but Nebraska scores 30 points for just the third time this year. That is a limb. And Purdue scores 22. All right. Close for comfort, but still a one-score game. Okay. Brunt? Nebraska, I, I will – Nebraska finally gets off the schneid on, on the one-score games. I think that uh, it's going to be tight. The defense kind of carries the day. Offense does enough. Nebraska, 24. Purdue, 16. Okay. We're all pretty much in the same range. And everyone has Nebraska winning. We just do not learn our lessons. I know. We do this every week, and I don't know why. We do not learn our lessons at all. Uh, Nicole, how was that? Was it was it worth your time? Will it you was. do it again next year? I for the Purdue game, yes, I will be here for that. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll just go ahead and lock you in for 2022. It's on the calendar. The Purdue game. People can catch. Well, my your- other my other oddly specific prediction oh, was yeah. if you guys don't do this podcast next week, Nebraska will beat Ohio State. Whoa. Because you said they haven't been doing well wow. since you started. Wow. Brunch, do we challenge? Do we do we challenge this theory and we just don't do one? Oh, I don't have a guest set up. <laughs> but what are people going to do at like 2 a.m. Yeah. on Friday morning when this, when this thing drops? Uh, well, do you think people can get hyped without me telling them to? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the problem. They've been too hyped. Should, should Nebraska hire me to tell the players to get hyped before? Or road games at Champaign and honestly, the Northwestern coach, his the hype man there, the little like bouncy guy in Oregon has one, and Nebraska just looks like a dead fish. No one hypes them up, no one does anything. And at Minnesota, there was literally personnel yelling at them to wake the f up outside of halftime, and I was just like, "What did we? Why did we travel to this? Like, they're so." That team, I'm ranting now, but that oh, team good. lacks motivation. You're good. No if, if, we did, if we did episode titles, this would be called Nebraska Looks Like a Dead Fish, featuring Nicole Griffith from 1011. You want to you want to throw a, you want to throw a specific score on, on your Ohio State prediction? Just because I mean, if you if you hit it, I mean, we might we might have to stop the hype cast forever. <laughs> Um, I will go with a home game, Ohio State, Nebraska. Uh, um, 24 to 17. Wow. All right. All right. If that hits, that hits. the hype gas is dead. It's on the piece of paper. It is done. It is done. Nicole, thank you for your time. 
people can catch your work at 10 11 then catch your work on 93 7 the ticket they can catch you on twitter they where can they get your outtakes um i have kind of stopped those for a while i noticed i'm sad i'm getting better i don't have mess ups anymore (laughs) oh man well I, i guess that's a good rationale that's fair that's fair. I'm just All right. giving myself one take. I'm like, you have to hit it or else I just have Schaefer in the back of my head laughing at me. So That's not a good thing. You get me. used to it. <laughs> Ever. All right. That is it for the Husker Hypecast. Nicole, we appreciate you uh, joining us here this week. Brunts and I and, and BC, of course, will be back next week. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll have another podcast. We'll see if we're going to have a Hypecast for Ohio State. A gauntlet has been thrown. A challenge issued, we'll have to see. But as always, you can check out all of our coverage of everything. Big week, basketball starting, volleyball, big game on Wednesday. Or excuse me, volleyball. I totally gave away that we just taped this. We're going to leave this all in there because I, I, I made fun of Nicole not having her bloopers anymore. Here's one that will just stay in the podcast. Everyone enjoy Husker 24-7 coverage. We'll be back next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.